With the age of the electric car upon us, the world's major car manufacturers are already scheduling the end of petrol and diesel vehicles. It's predicted that by 2035, more than half of all new passenger vehicles sold will be electric, smashing previous predictions that the transition away from combustion engines will take 30 to 50 years. So with the golden age of electric vehicles in full swing, what will the future of transport and roads look like within this new battery-powered generation? Welcome to Racing Green, the podcast that explores the ideas, innovations, and influences making waves in the journey towards a sustainable future for our planet. In each episode, we investigate the new challenges, ingenious solutions, and the undiscovered opportunities that lie at the heart of our rapidly changing world. We aim to accelerate a new era founded on optimism and impactful collective responsibility. Today, we speak with Quentin Wilson, an award-winning motoring journalist and British Volt EV advocate, committed to accelerating the next generation of electric vehicles through the creation of the UK's first Gigafactory. And thanks for joining us. Really appreciate that. Pleasure. Could you let us know a little bit about your background? Um, I'm British Volt's EV advocate, um, but I'm a car journalist, uh, and I've been a car journalist for 30 years. And started driving electric cars, well, back in the sort of early, early 2000s, but had my Damascene moment, if you like, um, because I presented Top Gear with Jeremy Clarkson for a long time. And I drove General Motors EV1 um, back in 1996 in, in Los Angeles, and I was one of the first UK journalists to do that. And I remember having this vision that this was the future. It was so smooth, it was so fast, it was so, so technologically audacious that it really, really made a mark on me. And much to Clarkson's chagrin, I said, look, this is what it's going to be like in 20, 30 years. And interestingly, if you watch the film, Who Killed the Electric Car, you, you can see that GM thought this car was so good that it would rival the sales of their combustion vehicles, so they crushed them all. Um, and and the people that had, had these cars leased to them, you know, barricaded the factory and said, look, please, please, you know, give us these cars. And they wouldn't. So they crushed them all. And that was the moment when when the electric car really was viable and, 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 and a vision of the future. So fast forward to 2009, I'm buying little electric cars like Mitsubishi Imevs and Citroen C0s and taking the kids to school in them and, and things like that. And finding out that they worked. Um, and and they, they, they weren't brilliant. They would only do 50 miles to one charge. And if you put the heater on, it would be 30 miles. But it, it, they never ran out. They never, you know, stranded me by the roadside. And, 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 and they were quick and they were fun and they were interesting. And here we are now. And I've, I've had spot in the last decade, maybe seven or eight different electric cars and, and done 70,000 miles in them, which is a lot of standing by chargers, by the way, waiting for them to charge up. And I drive a Tesla, uh, which, which routinely does 270, 280 miles to one charge. In fact, I drove it to France a while ago and did 769 miles and, and just charged it three times. So I'm kind of your electric vehicle guy. And I, I, I help British Volt with their policy towards, you know, which cars do need batteries, what sort of batteries do they need, what sort of performance, density, range, 
um, life cycles, that sort of thing. Amazing. Yeah. What a background. So let's start right from the beginning here. What actually are the fundamentals of a battery and what sorts of batteries for cars are out there? People know lots about car engines and, and, and you know, they'll tell you or, or roughly know what a crankshaft is or a, a cam belt or, 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 or a, a, a camshaft, but they know very little about batteries. And your battery, if you take your alkaline battery that you would put in your, your torch, it's um, a, a cathode and an anode, that's your positive and negative, and then it's filled with a liquid, um, an electrolyte, um, and that electrolyte and that cathode and anode, that passes electrons round and round, which creates energy, which then goes to power your light bulb. So they've been around for, for quite a long time, but we haven't done a huge amount of research. We've done quite a bit, but not, not the kind of research that's going on now. So your um, lithium-ion battery has lithium in it, um, which makes it last longer, which makes it create more energy, which, which has you know, duty cycles, which is the charging cycles, that can up, up to 1,000 charges, which would be over the, the, the normal 10, 15-year life of a car. So we're at this place now where the battery is just the way we power stuff. It's, it's something we take for granted. We've got it in, in all our laptops and all our phones and, 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 and cameras and, 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 and everything in, 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 in the domestic world. Um, but the lithium-ion battery... In, in the motor car is, is different because it's, it's much better engineered. It stores the energy for much longer. It creates more energy. And people like Tesla are developing these batteries much faster than anybody else. And they're getting these incredible ranges where, you know, it's 400 odd miles from a Model S and 320 miles from a Model 3. So we're seeing this, this progress in electrochemistry, which makes the battery work for longer, provide more power, um, and be more reliable. Yeah. So what role does British Volt play in all this? Well, British Volt is, is the UK's battery EV pioneer. So they are making um, batteries, and they've got this large 93-hectare site up in Northumberland, which is, is the third largest planning permission uh, granted this year and, and probably the largest uh, site mobilisation for the last 40 years. Um, and, and they will producing, be producing 30 uh, gigawatt hours of, of, of batteries every year. And that's enough to power 300,000 electric cars. Um, and, and the role they're playing is that most of the batteries are made in Asia, in, 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 in China and South Korea and Japan. And if we don't have a domestic produced battery industry in the UK, those car makers that are having to convert to batteries by 2030, because of, of, of the government's moratorium on the sale of petrol and diesel cars and vans, then those car makers will just go abroad. They'll go to where the batteries are. So it's really, really important that companies like British Volt have a footprint, um, a low-carbon footprint in the UK, and, and produce batteries to supply our motor industry. And that motor industry is worth yeah, £8 billion and, and, and you know, over a million jobs. And, and the, the, the rules of origin post-Brexit mean that you, if 50% of your car isn't locally produced, then you have to pay an extra tariff, 10%, which is going to make us uncompetitive. So the government quite rightly has said, look, we, we need to have a battery industry. And they put down this, this footprint of an ecosystem of people like the Warwick Manufacturing Group, the Faraday Institute, 
um, and and the UK uh, BIC, the Battery Commercialization Centre. So in terms of technology and research and development, we've got the best battery ecosystem probably in the world. And we have the possibility to lead the world in that in that R&D and to produce batteries that are better. And at the moment, you, you get this, this, this one, one type of battery that, 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 that's made and you see it in most cars. But once you start to tinker with the electrochemistry and, 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 and develop new, um, new, new things to go in the battery, like, for instance, a silicone anode, um, it can increase the performance. It can increase the range. It can, could, can make the battery run cooler. So that's what it's all about. It's developing a, a British battery industry to keep our, uh, our car industry here, but also pushing the envelope of what we expect from a battery. And, and it won't be long before we're looking routinely at batteries that'll do 400 miles to one charge. And Mercedes have brought out a, a concept quite, quite recently that, that is, is supposed to do over 600 miles to one charge. So that landscape, that battery landscape is changing all the time. So if we were to look at batteries from, say, a decade ago, how far have we come in terms of range and capability? Well, I, I would be, be driving my little Mitsubishi Aimeev or my Citroen C0, and I would get, literally, with the following wind and a, a mild day, around 50 miles. Um, and that was driving quite gently. And I remember when I first picked up my, my, my Mitsubishi with, with Robert Llewellyn of, of Fully Charged from Birmingham, we both drove back like, like banshees thinking, oh, this is absolutely great. And I nearly ran out of juice and I had to stop outside a, a terraced house with my extension cord and say, please, can I, can I charge, charge my battery? Um, so that's why there was this resistance and these urban myths that you still, still hear now about battery ranges and I'm going to run out of juice and it's not the infrastructure. So it was all very kind of tentative. But what we found out from that technology 10 years ago is that they, they engineered in so much safety that the batteries have lasted much, much longer than anybody realized. And there were all these doom stories of of, of you needing, you know, two new batteries in 10 years in your electric car and it wouldn't be worth it because it would be, um, you know, beyond, beyond the worth of the car to change the battery pack. But we're seeing cars like, for instance, uh, the early gen Nissan Leafs that being run by taxi firms that have done 350 miles on the original battery pack. Um, and, and there are Teslas that do 400,000 miles on the original battery tax. So that, that, that data is coming in now after 10 years and many millions of miles of use that the batteries aren't failing and, and they're working. Obviously, they will eventually go, but we're seeing a situation where the battery is outlasting the car and that's really, really good. So we know that engineering, that technology works both in terms of range, but also in longevity as well. And is there only one specific type of battery for electric vehicles? Yeah, you've got the, the pouch uh, battery, you've got the prismatic battery, and you've got the cylindrical cell battery. The cylindrical cell ones are really popular, and those are the ones you see in a Tesla. And a Tesla Model 3 has um, 4,600 of these, these little cylindrical uh, cells, um, and they're put into four different packs. Um, so you've got the, the, those types of batteries that, you know, they're in aluminium cases or stainless steel cases and put into the car in, in, in multiple packs. But we're also seeing changes in, in, in chemistry so that you've got lithium iron, you'll have um, nickel phosphate, um, we'll have silicone, and we'll have eventually um, solid state. Now, the solid state battery means that you don't have that liquid, wow. liquid electrolyte inside, and it is 
it is, as the, the, the name suggests, solid state, and it will run for longer, and it will have you know greater range, it'll charge quicker, and this will revolutionise the whole battery industry. And we're probably about, I don't know, five years away from that. It's, it's tricky to get it to perform. It needs to, be, it needs to run cool and not have any sort of thermal runaway. It needs to, to, to charge quickly. Um, and it needs to have that 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 range to do the five six hundred miles that people want, um, but also to 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 last all those charging cycles ten fifteen years. And and we're not there yet, but we are getting much much closer. And it's really encouraging. And when that happens, that literally does change the world. Wow! Yeah, what an incredible uh, revolution it's been. It looks like electric vehicles are, are just all of a sudden, the big thing, you know, I mean, it just seems the last 12 months, 18 months, maybe even only the last six months here in Britain, we are just seeing such an incredible interest in electric vehicles. Do you think this is going to continue at this pace? Yeah, and you're absolutely right, Jeff. 2021 was the year of the the electric car. Um, and, and you just drive anywhere now, drive down the motorway, and you see literally thousands of them going up, Teslas and and Jaguar I-Paces and Nissan Leafs and Hyundai Ionics and 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 and, and Kias, um, and that's because they work. And and we've 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 proved to most people there's still a lot of anti-EV sentiment out there that they are cheaper, that they are cleaner, that they are fun, they are more interesting to drive, and you can you can live with them. I've got my 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 car, my electric car outside now here in London, and it's charging from a lamp post. And it's doing great. And I will get into that car and then drive, drive, drive back to, to the Midlands and, and charge it at home. So w- we understand now by seeing people driving these cars and, and really enjoying them that we passed the point where all that uncertainty and all that doubt prevented people from buying them. And prices are coming down and, and the, 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 the second-hand values of, of electric cars are being remarkable. I mean, that you, if you bought a Tesla Model X a couple of years ago, you could probably sell it for £10,000 more because the demand is such that, that they're not depreciating. And this is, this is really you know, unprecedented. When you buy a new car, you expect it to lose 15 to 20% in the first year. You know, I would probably get more or less what I paid back for my car, and I've owned it a year because it's electric, because it's in demand, and because there are so few of them around, relatively speaking, to the rest of the market. And that's, that shows that the, the cost of ownership, people say electric cars are really, really expensive, I can't afford one. When you do the numbers over, say, three years or even five years, they are less to own than the equivalent petrol or diesel car. You've got very, very few servicing bills. You've got, of course, no, um, no fuel. You've got no, no VAD. VED uh, road tax and 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 you get certain tax breaks certainly if you if you're running a business or something like that. So this is this is something we need to get across to consumers that don't look at the upfront cost when you actually sell that electric car you'll get much much more back for it than it was if it was a petrol or a, a diesel car and that that makes it a much cheaper proposition. Wonderful. Now a really important part of batteries um usage is is actually charging what are the options for charging? Well, there's not enough. That's, that's absolutely the case. We need a, a, a much bigger infrastructure, and, and, and that's something the government's working on, but I think they, they could try a lot harder. We need a, a, a battery-charging czar, and we need a, a battery-charging infrastructure team that really sort of says we're going we're gonna to make this happen. 
But you have various charges. You've got the, 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 the slow charges, what we call the legacy charges, what we were put in years ago, and they, they, they pump out maybe three kilowatt hours, and, and they're quite slow. Then you've got what's known as a, a, a fast charger, which can be anything up to 22 kilowatts, and that will charge, charge your car overnight, nine hours, something like that. Um, and then you go to your rapid chargers, which are anything from 50 kilowatts to now we've got 350 kilowatt chargers. So they can charge your car very quickly indeed. In the case of Teslas, they have their own supercharger network. So if you've got a Tesla, you can go to one of these superchargers on the motorway or, or, or all over the place and, and charge it up literally in 25 minutes from, say, you know, 10% to, to, to 80%. Um, but my lamppost charger is great because I, I, I can park the car, go to bed, and it's, it's full up in the morning. And what we'll see for the 30% of people who don't have on-street charging and live in flats and things like that, we'll see EV hubs, charging points where you'll go to, like a petrol station, and you'll hook your car in to a rapid charger, 350 kilowatts, and you'll charge up for maybe 25, 30 minutes. And that will be your fuel stop for the next week or two or three days or whatever. So they'll become like petrol stations. So this anxiety that we have to have one absolutely everywhere will fade away. And, and so will the, the, the anxiety that we have to have a battery that does six, 700 miles to one charge. Because most of us just, you know, we have to stop. You know, there's, there's this kind of bladder issue that you can do 150, 200 miles, then you've got to stop. So do we really need these massive batteries? They're going to cost a lot and, and, and require a lot of charging. I think we'll see smaller cars, um, everyday kind of city cars with, with ranges of 150 miles with smaller batteries. So they'll be cheaper. And, and that will do many, many people. And, and do you ever envisage a, you know, charge a car in 10 minutes or the time that it takes to put petrol into your vehicle today? I'm not sure we'll get it down to the sort of five-minute fill-up at the pumps, but we might, mm. with a solid-state battery, be able to do it in, in, in possibly 10 minutes. The, the, the challenge always when you're putting electricity into a battery is, as I said, thermal runaway, which is basically the thing catching fire, and you've got to manage that heat. But we've come such a long way. I mean, if you think that the internal combustion engine has 100 years to, to get where it is today, but we've only been on this, this job for what? Um, 10 years, and we've gone from those, those, you know, stuttering beginnings of 50 miles to one charge to 300 miles now and, and approaching 400 within the next year or so. So when we really do apply ourselves and that money starts coming in and the investment, we're going to see ranges get longer and we're going to see charging times get much, much shorter. And who knows what's around the corner? And that solid state battery is, is the great white hope, the kind of beatific vision that we're all aiming for that will revolutionise everything. And, and Jeff, it, it, it begins with electric cars, but then it goes on to other things. If we can get this right, we can have electric farm machinery. We, we can find you know, electric road machinery, diggers and dumpers and stuff like that electric short-haul aviation, electric maritime, and, and then electric static energy. So uh, Elon Musk, has, as, as well as, as doing all this tremendous stuff with the cars, has also created these mega packs, which, which work to power entire cities. And he's done it in Australia, and he's done it in California. So we can, we can have this battery that, that, that transitions us from burning fossil fuels into using renewable, low-carbon electricity 
that's zero emission. And, and that really is kind of epoch making. It's history making. If we can do this, then for the next generation, we will have cleaner air, we will have energy security, we will have lower costs. And also all those countries that don't have access to a grid, they can have their own microgrids that are powered by solar or hydro or, or any of those renewables. Um, and, and, and it will give them, you know, clean water and clean air and, and, and all the things that we take for granted. So it's, it's a hugely fascinating and exciting moment, this, this age of the battery that we're entering into now. Just a final thought on safety. You did mention it briefly, but um, is there a, you know, a danger that the batteries could explode or catch fire? No, because if you, if you look at all the, the battery fires in, 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 in personal equipment, laptops and things like that, they're not regular. It's not something we read about on a regular basis. And, and some of those batteries, and I have to say some of them are made in Asia, are not properly, properly made. Um, and, and if you do overheat them, then you know, they will catch fire. But we're not seeing an epidemic of battery fires. And it's the same with cars. People say to me, well, electric cars catch fire. Do they? You know, when you look at the amount of petrol and diesel cars that catch fire, I mean, it's the hundreds and thousands of them every year routinely catching fire. And, and the amount of battery cars that catch fire, well, you could probably count them on the fingers of maybe a couple of hands. So it, it, again, it's, it's an urban myth that, that, that's gained traction. And I think we, we need to understand, Jeff, that there are forces being ranged against batteries that are quite, quite well-funded and are lobbying really hard to propagate these urban myths. Because when you look at the disruption effect of this new age of batteries on the oil industry, on, on the auto industry, on, on the repair industry, it adds up to trillions and trillions of pounds. And as you said earlier on, seeing all these cars strobing down the motorways, obviously being successfully used and, and, and being enjoyed by, by, by consumers, is worrying those vested interests and those industries. And, and we're seeing pressure at really quite a high level to, for the government to push back on its green promises. And certainly we at British Vault are adamant that we've really got to, to understand that this is a moment in history where we can, we can stop burning stuff and we can have this clean air and energy security and, and lower fuel costs and increase you know, clean, high-tech jobs and, and get away from all this, this friction and this combustion and this smoke and this oil and this, this burning stuff. It's, it, 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 it's a really important moment that we've, we've got to aim for and, and keep going for it. So looking forward, I wonder if you could give us a little bit more detail about this Giga plant, the scale of it, what it's achieving. Yeah, so it's, it's up in Northumberland uh, on the site of the old Blythe power station, which was a, a coal-fired power station, which was demolished. And it's 93 hectares, which is 50 full-size full um, football pitches. Let me say that again. It's up in uh, Northumberland on the site of the old Blythe uh, power station, coal-fired power station. And it's the size of 50 full-size football pitches. That's 93 hectares. Um, and it will produce 300,000 battery packs a year. It's the biggest single site mobilization in the UK for the last 40, 40 years. It's massive, the third biggest planning application um, this year. And it's going to produce um, 30 gigawatt hours of electricity and, and battery power every year. And to give you an idea of, of, of what that 30 gigawatt hours is, it's the equivalent of 364, one gigawatt hour is the equivalent of 364 wind turbines, 
um, 2,000 Chevrolet Corvettes, 9,000 Nissan Leafs, um, 1.3 million horses. That's, that's the power that these batteries will produce. 110 million LED lights and 3.1 million solar panels. So that's one gigawatt. And one gigawatt is 30, is 1 billion watts of power. So those 30 gigawatts, that's a hell of a lot. We are short in terms of the battery production that we must make in the UK by 90 gigawatt hours. So, you know, we need to see lots of battery factories in the UK. And, and British Volt is just one. And, and, and we would be really, really pleased to see more battery factories here in the UK so we can achieve this, this power output that will carry on to power the generation after this one and the generation after that. So our kids enjoy that clean air and we don't have this, this transport pollution. And the factory itself is powered by renewable energy as far as possible? Yeah, I mean, it's really, really good that that site is up there and it's got renewable energy coming from Norway through the, the interconnector under the North Sea. And that renewable energy is produced by hydroelectric power from Norway. Then you've got all the, the offshore wind farms. I mean, the UK is a world leader in offshore wind farms. We've got the, the Firth of Forth. They've got uh, turbines there. And that's all going to be coming into the, into the gigaplant and that's totally renewable, low-carbon energy. It's not produced by coal-fired power stations or nuclear. It's, it's, it's totally renewable. It's also got a deep-sea port and a, a, rail, a rail network, so you, you don't have to use road logistics and burn diesel to transport these batteries. But eventually, we will see, I think, car manufacturers coming on site. So we make the batteries, and then they go out one door and into another door um, to be put into the cars. And then... On site also, we hope to have a recycling facility too. So at the end of, of the, the, the usage of the battery, it comes back to us and it can be recycled. And the critical minerals in those batteries, the, 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 the lithium and, and the cobalt and the manganese and the copper can all be recycled and made into more batteries. So it's a kind of virtuous circle. And if you could keep it all in the one place, then you truly do have a low carbon battery production facility. And we're having it measured because there's so much greenwashing and, and, and people saying, yeah, well, we make these green batteries, that, but they're not green. How do you know they're green? You have to measure it. You have to, to get an expert. And we've got a company called Circular who come in and they chart all the emissions that we have in, in, in not just making the batteries, but building the factory. So we will know exactly empirically how green, how low carbon those batteries are. And it'll set a benchmark, hopefully, that the rest of the industry will be judged by. Because here's the thing, if, if you're buying an electric car and the batteries are made in a, a Chinese factory that is powered by coal-fired electricity, and then those batteries are put on a diesel boat and shipped to the factory and put in the car and the factory is also coal-fired electricity, it's not a very low-carbon battery. And we want to get rid of that. We want to make sure that these batteries really are produced with as few emissions as possible. I wonder if we could look forward now as a final question. What's the battery world going to look like in 2030? So, you know, eight, nine years from now, what, what, what are we going to expect from the battery industry? Well, we won't be buying, certainly in the UK, any more petrol, new petrol or diesel vans or cars. 
So let's say by then, 80% of, of, of the population are driving electric cars. Um, and, and, and that's going to mean we're going to have to produce literally trillions of batteries. And within those eight years, I guess a lot of them will be solid state. We'll have cracked that by then. And I think the cost will go down. The batteries will be designed to be recyclable. Um, they'll be much lighter. The cars will routinely be able to do five, 600 miles to a 10-minute charge. That's the kind of superordinate goal we're looking at. Whether that comes true or not, and it might come true even quicker because, as I said earlier, the amount of resources being put into this battery industry now is, is huge. And all the car manufacturers have shifted their, their production. Even Toyota, who for such a long time said that the future is the hybrid, the, the petrol engine with the battery. They've now changed to battery only. And, and, and companies like Hyundai, who are researching um, uh, hydrogen fuel cells, they've paused that research because they see that batteries are the future. And this is going to be the main form of propulsion. Hydrogen may come in time, but it needs to be green hydrogen and not hydrogen that's produced by a chemical reaction that, 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 that emits lots of carbon. And hydrogen isn't desperately efficient. Um, whereas, whereas batteries and battery cars are. So, yeah, by 2030, it will have been a, a complete revolution and the, the, the vast majority of us will be driving battery cars that are efficient, that are quiet, that are silent, that do really usable um, um, ranges and that will be very happy with them and it will reduce our 25% our of transport pollutions to hopefully only a couple of percent. Alter the benefit of our cities, and I can imagine what the M25 motorway around London or the M1, M6 motorways are going to look like in you know 2030, uh, and sound like, and <laughs> smell like, and uh, sounds like great times ahead for us. Well, it's something that we really do need to, as a society to think about hard. Do we want this? Do we want zero emission transport? Do we want clean air? Do we want energy security? And I think the answers to all those questions are yes. And it's within our reach. We now know that this technology works. It can be manufactured to scale. The prices will come down. We can support it. And they say, will the grid fall over? Well, you know, with all this offshore and renewable stuff, that's what, uh, probably 100 terawatts a year in, in, in renewable stuff. And that will power happily all these electric cars and, 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 and the grid. We can store the electricity, we can balance it. So it's such an exciting horizon that, that we really do need all of us to stop complaining about this great threat, the electric car, and, and to give up our permission to pollute and say, this is a clean, renewable, low-carbon energy future without fossil fuels. So if you could um, make any changes, perhaps take over the, the transport department, what would you make happen? To be fair to the government, they've done an awful lot. And I used to campaign with Boris Johnson when he was mayor of London. And we would stand outside charging points in, in Waitrose and Wimbledon and be photographed and say, this is the future. And bless him, he, he knows about this stuff. But I think we could, we could go quicker. We, we really could understand the enormity of what we're doing in terms of, of, of public health and in terms of jobs and in terms of exporting batteries to the rest of the world, we really do need to get cracking on this because if we don't, 
then the Chinese will dominate them. And, and that's that. Already they've got a hold on, on the critical minerals and we, we need to, to see how, many, how much lithium and how much cobalt we can find in other places. Um, so I would say, look, let's really see this as a major 25-year plan to improve this country's energy and its air quality. And, and, and nothing is more important than that. Wonderful. Quentin, thanks for joining us here today. Pleasure. That's all for this episode of Racing Green. Thanks for joining us. Racing Green is produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, Chris Bristow, and Georgina McGiven in collaboration with the Camden Clean Air Initiative. It was recorded at Serendipity Studios, Camden, North London, with music and sound design by Chris Bristow.